Welcome to the Basin Church Podcast. And as a church, our mission is to bring hope and wholeness through Jesus Christ. And no matter where you are and as you listen today, we hope that you find hope in Jesus and even move one step closer to being made whole. Nobody wants their life to be a disappointment and no one wants their life to be a regret. Uh, None of us want to look back and think, why did I do that? I could have avoided so much trouble and I wish I didn't disappoint my parents or disappoint my spouse or disappoint somebody. But see, that's the reason why we're talking about this series called The Wisdom of Ages. And it's the reason why we're gaining insight and knowledge and wisdom from Solomon in the Scripture and Proverbs. Because we've said this, that when we gain this wisdom and insight, what are we looking to be? We're looking to be wise people. And because Solomon, who was the wisest man who ever lived, began to write down these things, we began to grasp and understand what he was saying. And and so a wise person was this. We said a wise person is someone who what? Fears the Lord. Why do we fear the Lord? Why do we stand in awe of Him? Why do we obey Him? Why do we trust Him? Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning of wisdom. And then we ought, so when you come to a wise person, the other thing we tend to do is we tend to, to trust the Lord with everything with inside of us, with all of our heart, soul, and mind, right? With everything inside us. Why do we do that? Because God gives us, He has the big picture, and we have a slice of the picture of our lives, don't we? So who are you going to trust? Someone who sees the whole puzzle piece or someone who just has a piece in their hand? You're going to trust the person who can see everything and understand everything. And so he said this, that we don't trust our own wisdom because it brings about failure. But if we trust God and his wisdom, it wins out every single time. And then a wise person would do this. A wise person doesn't stay on the path of wickedness. The wise person stays on the path of what? wisdom why would a wise person stay on the path of wisdom because he avoids destruction he avoids problems he avoids trouble he avoids all this stuff so that's what we've been talking about and today what we're going to talk about is a wise person holds their tongue i'm not always good at this i'm not i have learned a couple things but and i'm still not very good at this but a wise person holds their tongue and you say, okay, well, that's great. And a wise person watches what they say. Now, I don't always watch what I say. You don't always watch what we say, but we have to strive to. And here's why. Because this is the bottom line for the day. This is what everything we're talking about. It's this. We, we talk about this words is because there is nothing that has more power to restore or ruin a life more than words. So there's nothing more in life that can ruin or restore your uh someone's life than words and think about this we underestimate words don't we we underestimate our words and when we underestimate our words what tends to happen is think about it a judge has the ability to to sentence someone and determine their fate a president or ruler of a nation has the ability to persuade that nation to move in a direction It can bring health, it can bring healing, it can bring wholeness to the people, but it also can do the opposite. It can ruin. And there's times throughout the course of history you've seen leaders who have risen up. And as they rise to power, they have gotten people to do things that you would never think of doing because they're persuasive by their words. 
And so we underestimate these words. We question people with our words. We direct people with our words. And you know this, that people can even get someone to question their faith by their mere words. So our words are so influential. And we all understand this because at one point in our lives, we've been hurt. Or we've said something we shouldn't have said. And our impact on people's words, and all of a sudden we've, we've ruined their lives, we've brought about damage, and we're thinking, well, it's not that big of a deal. I don't know how you got hurt. And so we've said something, then what do we do? We try to reel it back in. We try to restore the relationship. How do we try to restore the relationship? With words. So we're trying to restore back the relationship. We're trying to understand, oh, well, this is just a big deal. And they're like, well, if it's not a big deal, then why'd you say it? And here's what we tend to say. We say, well, um, I was only joking, or I really didn't mean it. To which the recipient would say, really? Joking, huh? If you're joking, then how come nobody's laughing? <laughs> right? Nobody's laughing, and you think it's funny. So what you ended up doing is you ended up just speaking your thoughts, your mind, and it just came out, and all of a sudden it just comes out, and it's done damage. And we wield damage with our mouth, and we wield damage with our speech. And see, it's so true because our words and words weigh so heavily in our lives. Now think about this. They weigh so heavily in your lives because I can talk to you today. We can go out to lunch. We can sit down face to face. And you can tell me at some time in your life, whether you were a child, whether you're in middle school, whether you're in high school, somebody said something to you and it stuck with you. And it has hurt you. And it could even be from your parent. You have that parent wound. And you can sit there and it weighs so heavily on you. Now look, you've forgiven and you've gotten over it, but hasn't it stuck with you? And it's like this heavy burden on you. And sometimes you even start to believe what they say. Now, yeah, oh, okay, they didn't mean it or they've said they're sorry. But yet you still kind of can believe it. And it weighs so heavily on your lives, even into your adulthood. And even look at, even when people say things to you as an adult, they can damage you. You go, I'll never forget what they said. I don't trust them. And the list goes on and on and on. But speech is not always bad. See, speech isn't something that was always, always intended to be wrong, always intended to be bad. Now, we have just done it out of anger. We've done it in arguments. We've done it just spitting out and not thinking. And we've caused damage on people. But really, here's what I want you to think of, and I want you to understand about speech. Speech is a miracle. The words you say and how you're understanding things and communicating with people, it's a miracle. And it started with, with, with God. I think it is so amazing how God established communication with his people. And so in the beginning, Adam and Eve, we would say that he began to establish um, relationship with them and understanding. But think about this. Before the beginning of time, God spoke. The word says he spoke things into being. There's the stars, there's the sun, it's day, it's night, there's animals, fish of the fish of the of the water, and every animal. All that he did, he spoke into being. So it wasn't always bad, and speech wasn't always bad. Matter of fact, when you get to the Garden of Eden, he, he creates Adam, and what does he say to Adam? He gives Adam his role, he gives him the rules of the Garden of Eden, talks to him, 
and says, Adam, this is what you need to do. And then Eve comes along, and what does he do? He communicates it to Eve. So all that they were told and all that they knew in the beginning of Adam and Eve was what? Given by the Lord, by his word. And so God begins to tell them and they understand. And the Garden of Eden was this place where there was this communication that took place. This healthy, godly relationship between man and God in the Garden of Eden. And so we think about this, but it is kind of this miracle. Understand this, though. I want you to understand this. It, it is this miracle because do you remember the first word you said? Do you remember the first word your kid said? Probably do because I tell you what, if you're a mom, you're like, say mom, say mom, say mom, right? If you're a dad, 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 dad. And if you have older brothers or si- siblings, right, what are they going to say? Say my name. Come on, just, just right? Because everybody wants the, the, the baby to say their name or say them first. They want their first words. And they usually say it. And now think of this. Who taught you to form sentences? And some of you say, well, my parents did. Did they? Well, school did. Well, then how come two-year-olds can talk in sentences? See, it's, it's pretty amazing. I want to take you to a guy. I don't even know if he's, he's a believer or not, but he, he speaks at the uh, Harvard University, Okay. He is a, a cognitive psychologist and popular writer on language, mind, listen, and human nature. So it's, his name is Steven Pinkner, and he is the professor of psychology at Harvard University. Here's what he writes in one of his books in Language Instinct, and it's up here on the screen. It says he has the ability, the ability to speak comes so naturally that we are apt to forget what a miracle it is. Language is not a cultural artifact that we learn the way we learn to tell time or how the federal government works. Instead, it's a distinct piece of the biological makeup of our brains. Yes, it is the biological makeup of your brains because God put it there. When God created the image man in the image of God, he gave you all those things. Soul, body, spirit. He gave you communication, the ability to think, the ability to reason, the ability for all this. And see, even if he's not a believer or not, Christians would say that God in all of us, and even in Adam and Eve, the first parents, he began to give us this ability to communicate. And so remember, he goes back to the, to the uh, Garden of Eden, and he talks about the communication. But listen, communication wasn't always good. Because when the Garden of Eden, what happens? Satan uses what? Words to deceive Eve. Well, uh... If you eat of that tree, surely you will not die. Right? And so he, he lays his speech out for her, and then she gets deceived. And then what? She has to use her words to convince Adam to eat of it. So all of a sudden, their action that was preceded by words, all of a sudden, the relationship with God in the Garden of Eden is broken. So words and speech is a miracle, started as something good, but can also be used and turned for evil. And so as we go through, and we're going to go through um, many scriptures today, and we're going, to, we're going to look at this, that we take speech for granted, and we waste it, and we oftentimes abuse it. And we're going to talk about that, because we're going to go through scripture. I'm going to start in Proverbs chapter 18, so you can turn your... If you have your Bible, you can turn there. Then I'm going to go to Proverbs chapter 12, and then I'm going to go to Proverbs chapter 13. 
But let's open up to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. And as Solomon begins to lay out speech, he says, speech is like gold and silver. It is valuable. And then he contrasts and compares it. And then he gets to this point in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Here's what he says. He says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who eat of it, those who love it, excuse me, will eat its fruit. Now, when you think of life and death, and you think of circumstances of life and death, you're thinking, if I get lost in a forest, if I get lost in the desert, if I'm in the ocean and the shark is charging me, or if the elevator is all of a sudden dropping and it fails. Those are life and death situations. And life and death situations are simply, you have to act immediately and quickly. Because if you don't, your life depends on it or someone else's life depends on it. But Solomon would say, you want another life and death situation? It's your words. Your tongue has the ability to give life and has the ability to give death. And when he talks about fruit, he's talking about that we, will, we can reap a harvest from our words, which is beneficial or harmful. And as we do this, we can either reap the benefits or reap the consequences. And a lot of times, most of us, our speech, we end up suffering the consequences. And so he tells us, now you can go to chapter 12 in Proverbs, and he talks about how we could suffer the consequences in our words that we've actually have said. And it says this in Proverbs chapter 12. And I'm going to read in verse 18. And this is kind of how Solomon tells us about consequences in words. He says this, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. There's that word, wise and healing. And the words of reckless pierce. See, reckless words are words that are not thought through. Reckless words are those words where your filter between your brain and your mouth doesn't work, and you just spit it out. Reckless words are those times when you carelessly say something, you go, oh, I wish I didn't say that. And who hasn't ever said a reckless word? We've all said reckless words. But he says reckless words, when they, as soon as they leave their mouth, they are going to pierce the recipient. You, you think of a sword. If I take a sword and I'm going to pierce someone's body with it, it's going to cause great damage. But immediate damage. And he says, and how Saul compares it, is that as you speak these words, they give off immediate damage to people's life. And you might not see it, but it hits them right in their soul and who they are. But he also says this, that the wise bring healing now, the words that bring life are encouragement, are the truth, and I put our kindness. When is the last time you were kind in this cruel world? When's the last time you were actually kind to somebody? By your words. When's the last time you decided to encourage someone instead of discourage them? When's the last time you actually told the truth, but in love? See, when is the last time you did that? Because it says it will bring healing. And not only that, but it says our words, 
can help those who have sinned. It can restore relationships with sinners. Look, the Lord can use you. God can use you to speak words into someone's life to bring them back to a relationship where they need to be. God can use you to bring someone where they are, currently are, to bring them to where he needs them to be. And so your, your words can bring life and health and restoration to someone. You can restore someone back to where they need to be by as God uses your mouth and uses your speech. The other thing is this, is the words can restore relationships with those who have sinned, but it also can instruct people and bring life to them. You can instruct people with wisdom of God from what? The Word of God. Now here's what I mean by that. A parent can instruct their kids in the way of the Lord and it will bring life to them. Get them on the right path. Mentors can deposit spiritual instruction by the words they say and the things they do to younger people. People, older generation, can instruct by the words they say out of the Word of God to the younger generation. You can shape another generation. And believe it or not, your testimony, the goodness of God in your life, can be a witness to somebody. If you tell someone the goodness of God in your life and what He's done in your life, guess what? It can be helpful to someone else. And think about this, the good news, that Jesus died and He rose again and He wants a relationship with His people. Speaking that and those words can save someone from eternal punishment. It can restore someone to what God wants in their life. See, your words are, have the power of life and they have the power of death. They can harm or they can bring healing. And so we ha- understand that, but let's be honest, we're not always wise, are we? And so if you go to Proverbs 13, verse 3, it says this in chapter three of, of uh, excuse me, chapter thirteen, verse three. Solomon tells us that we can ruin our lives with the words we say, and here's what it says: Those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will what? Come to ruin. There you go. You guard, you preserve. You speak rashly, you ruin. And when you ruin your life, there's three things that you can ruin life and, and bring out this, and it's this. And I, I, I put that if you can't keep your promises, if you divulge private information, and you misrepresent. Okay, let me explain that for one. Okay, so if you, let's go to the first one. The first one is this, that if you don't keep your promises. If you don't keep your promises, is your word any good? No. No one's going to believe you. And if you tell me something and you don't do it, guess what? You broke trust between you and I. And it's going to take a long time for me to trust you by the words you just said. Think about this. Parents, if we tell our children we're going to do something and we don't do it, are they ever going to trust us? The answer is no. And some of you know this very well. Well, you said this and you said this and you never pro- and you promised. You promised. And what? We didn't deliver. And now the kid child does not trust you and thinks you're not trustworthy so anything you say they have reservations but it's also with adults if you say something and you don't follow through adults are just big kids we don't trust you and the relationship is broken 
Now, the other thing is this, is you divulge important or private information. And basically what divulge private information is, you can't be trusted either. And here's what I mean by this, is you gossip. You tell somebody some information that they were not privileged to, that they were not there for. It's simple gossip. Now, let me just give you an example. World War II, there was a famous propaganda campaign that went around in World War II. Because what was happening is sailors and other people were running their lips and running their mouths. So what they decided to do, and there's a poster here on the screen, and they decided to post these in bars, and it said this, loose lips might sink ships. So what would happen is, is they were telling and talking in bars, and they were giving up information, pertinent information, to spies. And the spies would know the the location of the ships and the location of the armies. It got so bad that when they sent home letters, when they sent home letters back to the United States, that they were, they would, the United States government would um, confiscate them because they would give up important information. And so they'd give up important information, well, because spies were getting those and they were telling their loved ones where they were. And loose lips might sink ships, but really, loose lips sunk ships, caused damage on people's lives. People died because people had loose lips and just spilling out information. Look, gossip's the same way. Now, people might not die in, in, in battle. You might not give up pertinent information. But look, when you divulge information, you are giving up something that something somebody was not privileged to. And then they see that person in a different light, don't they? See, Gossip, it says this in Scripture, in Proverbs chapter 6, it says, it is a choice morsel. It's a delicacy. And it goes down to the inmost parts of someone. So they get it, they retain the information, they're reminded of the information, and they don't forget the information. And gossip is so bad, and the reason why it's so bad is because you can ruin someone's reputation. Because you just inform somebody of something that happened that they were not there. So then they have this idea of what this person is like. But it could be completely different. The story could be completely different. But you divulge this information and you've ruined somebody's reputation. And see, people who love gossip, oh man, they love gossip at work. People love gossip anytime. And you see them because they huddle up. Oh, what did they say? What did they say? What did they say? And he says, uh-uh, stay away from people who gossip. And he says this, you want to destroy your life, become a gossiper. You divulge important information so that there's consequences, not only in your lives, but in the lives of other people. Now, then he says this, when you talk about misrepresentation, when you misrepresent something, you're lying. It's false. If you misrepresent in court, it's a lie, it's false information, it's a your false witness. Look, lying in Scripture says this. God says it is an abomination to the Lord. Lying is one of the things that is an abomination to the Lord. It is so important that of the Ten Commandments, lying is number nine. Do not bear false witness. And lying only lasts for a moment. Now you say, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Right? It's, it's not that big of a deal. Because people think gossip is not a big deal. We think lying's not a big deal. It is a huge deal. It's a big deal to the Lord. He says, stay away from it. Don't be a part of that. And listen, liars, what do they do? They continually lie. 
And people who lie love to hear lies. They feed off lies. And so what Solomon says is, is if you want to ruin your life, say things and break promises, gossip and lie. If you want to ruin your life, simple as that. But see, most of us, we, we understand that and we, we want to stay away from gossipers. We don't be, want to be a gossiper. We, we want to be faithful to our word and we don't want to lie. Some of us don't have problems with that. But let's be honest. We all know that. But here's what I, I, I put and here's what I want you to understand a little phrase. We know it, but we don't control it. See, we know words are powerful. We know words are able to ruin or restore someone's life, yet we don't control it. See, it's, it's the reason why in an argument, you have said something to somebody and hurt their feelings. You have done something to them and caused damage. It's the reason why you're the recipient in an argument. Isn't it true that when you get in an argument that all rules go out the window? You say whatever you want. And for some of us, we're so damaging with our words that the relationship goes to the back and winning the argument comes front and center. I don't care what I do to this person. I don't care if they're my spouse, my friend, my kid. I'm going to win the argument. And winning becomes more important than the relationship with your spouse, your friend, or your son or daughter. It's like everything goes out. And our speech becomes evil. And not only that, but think about this. Revenge is key for speech. How many times do you bring up some, uh, something in someone's past and you bring it front and center to the, to the present? See, what you're saying to them is, I know what you did. Not only do I know what you did, I know how bad you are. And not only how bad you are, I never forgot it. And for some of us, it's easy to play the revenge game. And all you're doing is damaging lives and damaging yourself. And so we begin to, again, put relationships aside. And again, for us, revenge is the most important thing. Because if, they, if I paid, you're going to pay. And you're going to pay, just, you're going to hurt just as much as I have hurt. And the relationship is not the most important thing. What's the most important thing is, is your feelings, your emotions, and, and what's going on. And so you're just going to get revenge. So here's what I want you to understand. Here's what we have to do. You have to choose your words wisely and weigh their impact. Now, why would I say that? Here's why I say that. Because there's something going on in the physical and there's something going on in the spiritual. Let me say this. Something physical, something spiritual. There's something invisible that is taking place and there's something visible that is taking place. Now let me, let me put it in terms of this. You probably heard of sports psychology, right? Sports psychology is when you're telling somebody to do something, you say, don't do this. So when a quarterback's going out there and it's fourth and ten, don't throw an interception. You don't want to say that. When he's about to, to go to the free throw line and he's going to make the, the winning free throw with time has expired, don't hit the front of the rim. Don't miss it. And especially this is good with golfers because golfers get in their own heads. When a golfer gets up there, they're thinking, okay, don't, if there's a hazard, water or sand, they're going, don't hit the water. 
don't hit it right, right? And they have this internal thoughts going in. Look at sports psychology says this. If you tell your something, don't do it, you're going to do it. Don't throw an interception. Why'd you throw an interception? Why'd you hit it in the front of the rim? Why'd you hit it right? Because here's what happens. There's something invisible that's going on in your head that becomes processed out in the physical. Now, let me say this. That's what happens with your words. There's something that happens as you speak physically that is released spiritually. Now, what I mean by that is, remember I said that it is life and it's death. You have the ability to bless somebody and curse somebody. Now, listen, this is not some magic hocus-pocus thing. This is real stuff. The Bible is very clear about blessing someone's life and cursing someone's life. And matter of fact, when he talks about blessing and cursing, he's, he, he, he begins to, to say, and you can look in the Old Testament, that people's lives were changed because of blessing and obedience and of cursing. And what you have to understand is, is sometimes you can go through life and you think, man, I can't get out, uh, up, I can't do anything. Why do I feel always down in the dumps? Here's what you got to understand. Somebody might have spoken something over you. And because those words have, have, have let go, all of a sudden what they do is they allow the enemy, they allow the spiritual enemy to drive and head you in a direction and make that happen. And some of you are like, what is going on here? Let me tell you this. Some of you, someone might spew a curse over you and you don't even know it. Listen, people can speak curses over you. They can bless their lives. But here's the other thing. Do you know you can do it to yourself? You can bless your life or you can curse your life. Now, the reason why I say that is, is because, again, there's something that goes on physically that ends up in the supernatural. And what I mean by that is when you begin to speak of this negative talk, you begin to allow things to come into your life and direct your life. And a lot of times what happens is it's called self-imposed curses. And a lot of us do this all the time. And I want to read you a couple of things that maybe you have said, not knowing it, but have marked your, your life on a direction and a path that you don't want to be on. And you don't know why you're on that path. You don't know why on your direction. Well, the reason is because it's something you spoke. So let me put it this way. Ever feel like you're going to have an emotional breakdown? Let's go back to your words. Okay? Have you ever said this? You're driving me crazy. You're driving me crazy. Well, you just release that person to drive you crazy. See, there's something physical that happens and there's something that goes on and spiritually and you allow this thing to manifest itself in your life. What about this? I just can't take it anymore. I want to die. And you go, why do I have emotional problems? Why do I have breakdowns? Why am I mentally just a wreck? It's because something maybe you have said spiritually or, or physically that has released spiritually and it's directing your life. Here's, here's another one. What about sick? Do you always find yourself getting sick? Maybe you said this, whenever there's a bug, I catch it. Or I'm sick and tired. How many times do you say that? And you're what? Sick and tired. Here's another one. Or it just runs in my family, so I guess I'm next. So all of a sudden, you've said something thinking, well, it's just words. No, it's, God says it's more than that. It's life and it's death. There's power in your words. And so you begin to say this, and what do you find? You find yourself being sick and tired. You find yourself worrying about something that your parents dealt with. And you go, oh my gosh, well, I'm just next. Well, I guess you are. If you're going to believe that, if you're going to say that, that's going to direct your life. Here's another thing. 
What about miscarriage, miscarry or related problems? Have you ever said this? I don't think I'll ever get pregnant. Or I know I will. I'm going to lose this one. I always do. Again, you're speaking something into being. And you don't realize it. Next one, financial issues. Do you have financial problems? And you can't figure out why you have financial problems? Maybe you've said this. Um, excuse me, marital problems. I'll go financial in a second. Marital problems. In our family, we fight like cats and dogs. I grew up in a house where anger was just normal. So, you don't have to live like that. Don't make an excuse for your behavior. Put yourself on a different path. Or I knew my husband would always find another woman. Big. Big. And you see, people wonder why. Well, why do I have all these problems? It's because this little thing in your mouth begins to speak evil and poison. And you allow the enemy to take root and direct and determine the outcome of your life instead of yourself. Financial problems. You ever said this? I can never make ends meet. Or we can't afford to give. Okay. Then you'll have financial problems. Because God says you can't afford not to give. Can't afford not to give. See, it's by our tongues what we say that determines the direction of our lives. And we do it to ourselves all the time. Look, at, I've done this to myself. I'll tell, tell you in a second. Here's the next one. Uh, accident prone. Have you ever called yourself accident prone? Stop. Here's the one that says, it says, it always happens to me. Or I'm a clumsy kind of person. And you find yourself tripping and stumbling all the time. Stop. I'm telling you, you're not accident prone. God didn't create accident prone people. Stop letting the mouth dictate your life. Here's the last one. Do you have untimely deaths in your family? Someone dies too quick. What about this? Over my dead body. We're not going to get a divorce over my dead body. You're releasing something to take place. What's the point of living? Well, what is the use of living? Well, then okay, then we'll just take your life. See, it's so critical that we understand this. And the reason why we understand it is because something that seems so innocent and joking and we don't really think of it as being valuable like silver and gold, like he says, it is. And it directs our life. And all of a sudden, what is something that's so innocent has a lasting impact? Have you said one of these, in, these, one of these phrases before and can you see the implications on your life now? Can you see this? Because here's what begins to happen. You don't understand this, but you said, over oh, my dead body, or I'm a clumsy person, or I can't afford to give. Those begins to be released and directing your life. And all of a sudden, what you find out is your words alter your life. And your words alter your life, and what ends up happening as they alter your life, without knowing it, you've cursed yourself. You've allowed the spiritual forces, the spiritual, the enemy to come in to give, look it, you've given access to him into your life, and you've given just access to direct your life. Look, I'm telling you, this is not something that is made up. I've experienced this. I understand it. I've broken curses over my life. I've been here. 
And the Lord has revealed to me that people have spoken curses over me being the pastor of this church. It's real. And so I want you to live a life that is just flourishing, prospering, and great. So you got to stop doing this. And so now you think, well, now that I know this, now that I understand this, then what do I do? Well, here's the thing. Just like I can open those doors in the back, I can shut the doors of access in my life. See, I open the doors to the enemy to come through my life, but just physically, like, I can shut those doors. Spiritually, I can shut the doors on my life. Well, how do I do that? You reject the curse and you bless your life. Say that again. You reject the curse and you bless your life. Well, that just sounds like some positive thinking and positive words. No, it's more than that. It's God saying there's something that happens invisibly that manifests manifests physically. And so what do you do? Here's what you do. You repent and you renounce. So if you find yourself spewing out these things and hurting and and gossiping and lying and self-imposed curses and you've done all this stuff, Scripture says to repent of what you've done. Say, God, I am sorry. Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, I am sorry for what I've done. Would you just forgive me and would I move in a different direction? And Lord, I'm going to try everything. Would you give me the strength not to say those things again? And then what you say is you renounce things over your life. You renounce and renounce means you reject, you cut all those ties to your life. You cut things to your life. See, just let me just tell you real, real quick, you begin to speak life over yourself. So here's what I wrote. Have you ever said you're sick and tired? Renounce it and speak blessing on your life and say, I bless myself with health and wholeness. The other thing I've, I wrote down here is I put, have you ever said over my dead body? You renounce that and say, look, I proclaim and I bless my life with longevity. The other thing I wrote is that you bless your life By this, if you said you're clumsy, say, no, I'm not clumsy. I bless my life and I'm stable. I'm stable in the mind. I'm stable from my head to my toe. And I will not be clumsy and I'm not accident prone because God doesn't make accident prone people. Marital problems. You renounce if there's anything that has happened and you fight and you've said stuff and you renounce those and you repent of those and you say, Lord, I want peace in my marriage and I want a good godly marriage. I want a healthy marriage, so I speak life into my marriage. I speak peace into my marriage. The other thing you do is you have trouble being pregnant. Sounds weird, but bless your womb. Bless your life. See, because when you bless your life, I want God, when you begin to bless and and say those things over your life, look, you release the blessing of God in your life. God wants you to have a blessed, prosperous, flourished life. But the problem is, is we undermine the plans and the purposes of God by this little thing in our mouth. And he wants you to stop. And I didn't learn this till I was older. And I wish I would have learned it when I was younger. I wish someone would have taken 21-year-old Joe and said, this is what you do. This is what you do. And so... God begins to instruct us. He instructs us, and here's what he says. He simply says this, I want you to gain wisdom. I want you to cherish understanding, and I want you to watch your life flourish. 
And I want your life to flourish, and I want my life to flourish. And the instruction is this. Be wise with your words. The instruction is, let blessing flow on your life. Do not destroy your life by what you say. And so here's what I want you to do. I'm going to ask you to stand. Because I want you to, and I, and I want us not to engage in destructful words. I want us to begin to speak life. So here's what I'm going to do. I want you to do this. I want you to identify the area of your negative self-talk. I'm going to give you a moment. And I want you to identify where have I spoken? Have I spoken over something over someone? Have I spoken something over my life? Have I indulged in gossip or lying or my words not faithful? Where is it for you? Identify that. And then here's what I want you to do. I'm going to give you time. As I pray, I'm going to pray and then I'm going to pause and I want you to declare to the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done. Look, I can only lead you to a place. You actually have to allow and release it to the Lord. And then the other thing is I want you to renounce. And then I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to ask you to renounce it. And I'm going to ask you to visit, visit, verbally and physically say it. God, I'm sorry for saying over my dead body. And I renounce that in the name of Jesus. And I want you to bless your life. Now look, it's not hocus pocus. It's not magic. This is things that happen by the word of God. It's, it's reaping and sowing. Thanks for listening. And if you would like more information on our church or you'd like to visit us in person, you can go to basinchurch.org. And as always, we hope this content helps you on your faith journey.